Man, it's good to see all of you this morning, and it's, uh, it is an exciting day. I like this time of year. I love VBS. Uh, when I worked in youth ministry for about 12 years, uh, I got to, to participate in, in Vacation Bible School and, and loved seeing uh, kids for that many days in a row, especially kids excited about Jesus um, and excited to learn more and come excited to learn what it means to follow Him especially, and what that kind of life can look like. And it's amazing to me that, that almost every year during Vacation Bible School, there will be an adult who's volunteering who will share a story with me that goes something like this. I was a kid who was brought to Vacation Bible School by a friend. And it was during that Vacation Bible School that for the first time I learned about a God who loved me and about a Jesus who died for me, who I could follow and give my life to and live my life for and it changed me. And so I believe that as we head into this Vacation Bible School, this VBS this year, that will be true again. And those testimonies and those stories, we may not hear about them until 30 years down the road. But I can guarantee you it will make a kingdom impact and a difference in this world as well. So I'm thankful for Vacation Bible School and for all of our volunteers that put in so much hard work for Kate and for Rocky, for all that they do uh, to get ready to lead us in, uh, in a time that's going to be very exciting and, and again, will be transformative and life-changing as well. And what our kids are studying about this week that I want us to get in on as well that has already been shared with you is, is this idea that life can be hard. That is one truth. But God is good. And that is another truth. And I know that at first it may seem like there is a tension at work between those two truths. If God is good, how can life be hard? If life is hard, how can God be good? In fact, there are some questions that people will often ask around this theme, this topic. When you hear that life is hard and God is good, people may often struggle and often wonder, again, this very question, if God is good... Wouldn't he make life easy for those that follow him? And on the surface, that kind of seems like it would make sense, wouldn't it? That, that if you come and you give your life to Jesus and you follow God, that his favor would be on you in a way that all of a sudden your problems, your life's difficulties, your hard circumstances would be eliminated. And wouldn't that even make sense in, in the reality that if, if Christians had no problems whatsoever, anywhere, at any point in time, I mean, you'd have people flooding to get in the doors of the church on Sunday morning to try to figure out how they could give their life to Jesus and start living this worry-free life. No problems ever. We can flip that question around because sometimes people ask it this way. If life is hard... And this is especially in the midst of difficult circumstances. And you may remember the Old Testament story of a guy named Job who, who questioned and struggled with this to some degree. And certainly his friends and his wife, they were pushing him to, to kind of try to figure this out and resolve this within himself and weren't always the best influence on him. But if, if life is hard, is, is God really good? And those are two very difficult questions, no matter how you look at them. And so, I think sometimes it follows naturally, this third question. What does the Bible actually say about this? What does Scripture actually say about these two truths that God is one good? Because Scripture says that over and over again. The authors of Scripture want us to know plainly that God is good. 
But there's this amazing reality that that the Bible does not spare us, that the Word of God, that Scripture, through the inspired authors, does not spare us at all from the fact either, from the truth, that life is hard as well. As we think about specifically this message, there was a scene from a movie that came back to me. Uh, it's, it's, uh, well, when I say old, it's, it's old for me to some degree. It, it, it was in you know, the beginning of my high school, my time in high school. It was a movie called A Few Good Men, and you may instantly say, yeah, I remember that movie. Tom Cruise starred as a young lawyer, and then you had Nicholas who was in there playing this uh, hardened colonel, Colonel Jeffers, and there's this moment where they're in court and, and, and there's this trial going on and it gets pretty heated between the young lawyer and the, the hardened colonel as they're going back and forth. And there are some difficult questions being asked. And at one point in time, Jeffers says to Caffey, he says, do you want answers? And Caffey says, I think I'm entitled to them. And again, Jeffers says, you want answers? And Caffey says, I want the truth. And Jeffers says to him, you can't handle the truth. You know, I think sometimes truth is extremely difficult. And in this situation, Jeffers was trying to say to Kathy, look, if the truth on this comes out, this is going to be bad for all of us. It's going to be an incredibly hard truth. Yes, I ordered the code red. And it's going to be bad for us. It's going to make us all look bad. It's not going to be easy. You know, I think this points out a reality for us that often truth is difficult. And I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves this question, do we really want the truth? Especially if it's a hard truth. I want you to just think for a moment about some ways in your life that this applies. When the truth is hard or difficult, do you really want it? Like for me, every Sunday morning when I walk out of my closet and I say to my wife, does this shirt match these pants? It's a hard truth because when she says no, I find out that I am not good at this matching game. It's just not my thing. Or maybe when you ask your spouse the question, how do I look in these pants, this dress, etc.? Do you really want to know the answer? Or for those of you in college as you're dating, and you may have that question in the back of your mind, I wonder if I'm a better kisser than her last boyfriend. <laughs> sure hope I am, right? What if the answer was no? Would you want to know? Or when your car breaks down and it has to get towed to the shop, and you're sitting there and you're wondering, do I, do I even want to know what this is going to cost me? Or if you wreck the car? Or if like us, about a month ago, we walked into our house on a Sunday where it had been raining a lot during the worship assembly. And we look up and there's a spot on our roof or on our ceiling. And instantly I'm thinking, I, I don't even want to know what this is going to cost. I don't want to know. I don't want to know that hard truth. And as we're battling with our insurance and try to figure out, are they going to pay for it? Are we going to have to pay for this whole thing? I, I don't want to know. There's part of me that doesn't want to know because the truth in those situations, in those circumstances, sometimes doesn't feel good. 
But I want you to think about it this way. Let's say you hadn't been feeling well for a while and you went to the doctor and you wanted to find out some answers. Wouldn't you want to know, even if the news wasn't the best news, so that you could find a way to face it? There are times in life where we do want to know, even when the truth is going to be a difficult one. And what I really respect about Scripture, the authors of Scripture, the God who's inspired the Bible we read, is that God does not spare us the difficult truths. That God does not use bait and switch to get us into relationship with Him. He tells us up front, life is hard. And life in some ways, at least the physical reality of it, is not going to get better just because you say yes to following me. In fact, sometimes, and especially within the first century, when people said yes to Jesus, oftentimes their life got more difficult. And so we come back to that last question. What does the Bible actually say about all of this? And I'd like to modify that one just a little bit because it's okay to ask that question. But I think we can go one better than that and actually go straight to the words of Jesus as recorded in Scripture to find out what Jesus has to say about all of this. Is it possible that God can be good and life can be hard at the same time? Let's pray and then we're going to dive into Scripture together this morning. Father, once again, I want to thank You for these words that You have preserved for us. These words that are almost two millennia old. And it's amazing to me as I dive into Scripture and the words of Jesus and I see that although they are nearly 2,000 years old, they have so much application for us today. Jesus, You knew how to speak into Your current time and setting, but You speak into ours as well. And so prepare our hearts, Holy Spirit, as we are ready and as we prepare ourselves to, to hear from You. May you impress upon us these two truths, that life is hard, but God, you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name, and amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 5, and this is the beginning of a section of Scripture that we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And this section specifically, we typically call the Beatitudes. This is, if you've ever, if you've ever seen this, script, this section of Scripture, this is where Jesus says, blessed are the... And then gives a promise in relation to whoever happens to be blessed. Now, in these, and you're going to see in just a minute, not all of these are one. Not all of these blesseds or these categories of those who are blessed are are categories of people that we would consider blessed. Not certainly not at first glance. In fact, we might look at some of these folks and say, no, it's it's not blessed to mourn or suffer be persecuted how can that be actually a blessing but i want you to see in this that every time jesus says blessed he gives a promise that goes along with this as well so jesus sits down he sees this these crowds or jesus when he sees the crowds he goes up onto the mountainside and then he sits down 
large crowd had gathered around and assembled to listen to Jesus speak. At this point in time, Jesus was at a place in his ministry where he was drawing sometimes thousands of followers who came to hear him preach, to hear him teach, to see him heal. They wanted to be around him because it was exciting to follow Jesus. He was, he was a shaker and a mover. And so large crowds gather around him, and this is the message that he decides to preach. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I just want you to think about those three. <clears throat> it's good to be poor. Now Jesus qualifies that and says poor in spirit. It's good to, to mourn. It's good to cry, Jesus says. It's blessed to cry, to be sad, to be stuck in a place of mourning. And it's good to be meek. Again, as many have said, meekness isn't weakness, but but it does indicate a certain state of humility that, that, that says, yes, I'll be second. I'll take a back seat to others. I will do that. Some have said that meekness is power in check. It's, it's, it's power choosing to be humble for the sake of others. So Jesus says you're blessed if, if you're poor in spirit. You're blessed when you're mourning. You're blessed when you choose to be meek now i don't know about jesus audience so much but i could say in in our day and time if if you were to put that in front of a large crowd there would be a lot of people who would say to you i don't think so i'm not sure i buy into that in fact in our society in our culture just think about the last one. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who take a back seat for the sake of others. We have a motto that runs completely counter to that. Which is look out for number one. Because nobody else is going to look out for you, we say sometimes. I mean, that is our mindset. But Jesus says it's blessed. You're blessed if you take a back seat to others. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Now, he does qualify this one again and say, Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that one makes a little bit more sense. We can say, Okay, I get that. It's good to hunger and thirst for good things, for righteousness, for godliness. It's good to want that, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Okay, Jesus, now I'm with you. I get this. It's, it's good to show mercy to others. We want mercy shown to us in our time of need as well. So I'm on board with you for that one, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yes, we, we don't want to defile ourselves. That's good. I imagine especially the crowd of those who are following Jesus were nodding their heads to this one. Now Jesus is getting his rhythm going. He's starting to preach. Blessed are the peacemakers, he says, for they will be called children of God. And then... Here's where Jesus brings His message home. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Seems that just as Jesus probably got the crowd going and got heads nodding, he brings it home with this one. This is where he chooses to land the plane of his message. It's good to be persecuted. That's a good thing. Especially if you're being persecuted for doing the right thing. And then this next piece. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Now there is a because there, and we're going to come to that because in just a second. But I want you to think about this just for a second. Do you consider persecution a blessing? I mean, if you were persecuted for doing the right thing, would you consider it a blessing? I remember vividly a time I stood up for something that was right and suffered for it. And I had this big back and forth with God because I was angry at Him that He didn't, in my mind, step into my corner and fix this because I'd done the right thing. And so the last thing I felt in that moment was blessed. In fact, I felt rejected. I felt alone and isolated. I thought for sure somebody else would come in and and say, hey, I'm with you on this. But no one else did. I felt like I'd been hung out to dry. And then when I continued to kind of suffer for it I felt like even God had left me out to dry but Jesus says very plainly blessed are you when you are persecuted because of righteousness Jesus says you're blessed when life is hard because you did the right thing And then again, he says, blessed are you when people insult you. You ever felt blessed when somebody's insulting you? I mean, it may just be in generality. Somebody's talking generally about something and you find their words to be insulting because they don't know they're actually speaking about you or to you somehow. You hear somebody saying something negative and it cuts a little bit. Again, they didn't even know they were wounding you. Did you feel blessed in that moment? Felt good about that? Give me some more, please. Or when somebody said false things about you or treated you in an evil way for Jesus' sake, did you feel the blessing in that moment? Now certainly, in in our country, we we are spared from a lot of this. A few months ago in in Missions Month, Kurt shared with us about some of the, Kurt Picker shared with us about some of the things that are taking place in India where people are absolutely suffering because of their faith in Jesus. In China, many churches are meeting underground, even though the church, by the way, is growing faster in China than any other country in the world. They're meeting underground because to meet in public can lead to arrests and other things. 
in Iran, where, by the way, the church is growing fairly quickly as well. People have been dragged into jail. Families have been separated. This is, this, that looks like the first century and some of the struggles that people were enduring for the sake of their faith in Jesus. And you know what's amazing to me about many of these Christians who are being persecuted in ways that we can hardly get our minds around? They would have no problem telling any of us that life can be hard, but God is good. That is not, those are not competing truths for them. But for us, they seem to be at times. I want you to think about Paul and Silas in prison, and maybe you've heard that story before. There's this crazy story of these two guys, Paul and Silas. If you don't know them, Paul was an apostle, and Silas was one of his partners that would go on missionary journeys with him. They're arrested, they're thrown in prison, and the last thing you would expect them to be doing, especially at midnight, is singing songs. And that's exactly what they're doing. Because they knew that life could be hard and that they could actually experience hard hardship or hardships in life because of their faith in Jesus. And it didn't mitigate the fact that God was good. Why? Okay, let's get to the because. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see the incredible promise in that? Let's just go back through these again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Here's the promise. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because God is a God of comfort and He will be there to comfort those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Why? Because they will inherit the earth. Well, that doesn't make sense. How are the people who are always taking a back seat to others going to inherit the earth? Because God is for them. That's the promise in that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You want that in your life? God will fill you. Blessed are those who are merciful. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Listen to this promise. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Here's the promise. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No small promise in this. Endure hardship, Jesus says. And the promise is, there's an incredible reward, and the reward is the kingdom of heaven. You will see God. Great is your reward in heaven. I think think all too few times, we emphasize the incredible reward that God has promised us. We don't emphasize it nearly enough. And sometimes I believe that that we have gotten to this place where we feel like if we emphasize the reward, then we're just getting people on board for the reward. But the reward is the eternal thing that we are promised. And we should be emphasizing that reward over and over and over and over again. God has called us into a life where everything may not be perfect in this life, but He is preparing a perfect life for us. And we ought to hunger and thirst for it. I want you to see how Jesus puts this in Matthew 8 or Mark 8, 34 and 35. Again, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. Again, there were crowds constantly following Jesus. And in in these moments where he's got these crowds, he gives them the hard truths. And I'm grateful for that. 
And I hope you are too. They're not easy. They are hard truths. But Jesus did not spare us from the hard truths. This is what He said as the crowds come to Him. Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for Me and the Gospel will save it. Do you hear the hard truth followed directly by the promise? I want you to see this clearly about the hard truths that Jesus gives us about this life. Life is hard, but God is good. Every time Jesus gives us a hard truth, every time, every time He gives us a hard truth, He makes us an incredible promise to go along with it. Jesus doesn't back off of the hard truth. But He certainly isn't backing off of the incredible promise either. And we need to hear these words together, even though there may be some tension between them at times. And I want you to see as well that each promise that He makes us is intended to remind us that even though life can be hard, God is good. Every time Jesus makes us that promise, it ought to remind us that yes, life is hard, but God is good. And so here's what I want for us as a church family, as disciples of Jesus, as someone who's maybe just seeking for the first time. Here's what I want for us. When life is hard, I want us to lean into the good promises of a good God. And in that, in that we'll find hope and reassurance We'll find all the promises that Jesus made in, in the Sermon on the Mount as he, as he spoke to this crowd. Blessed are you who mourn. You'll be comforted. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for my sake. The kingdom of heaven is yours, Jesus says. So when life is hard, we can focus on life being hard. And we can just stop there and leave it at that. Or when life is hard, we can do exactly what Jesus instructed us to do. And by the way, as we'll see in just a second, exactly what Jesus did Himself and lean into the good promises of a good God. As we close, I, I want to show you exactly how this worked for Jesus. And we're actually going to go back to Mark 8 for just a second. I want you to see the verses that came before 34 and 35 that we just read together. But I want you to see what Jesus says, what Jesus does as well. Jesus knew the road that was ahead for him. Mark records him saying, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Okay, Jesus, God's Son, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. You see all the hard things that Jesus just addressed about himself? I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. All these people out here, they're going to reject me. The same ones who on, 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 on the day of Palm Sunday, who were, who were saying, saying Hosanna, who were treating him as a king, just a few days later were shouting crucify him. 
And so Jesus says, I've got to go through all of this. And for me, life is about to get really, really hard. And one of his disciples tried to rescue him from that. Mark 8, 32 and 33 says this, says he spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Pretty strong words. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, Jesus knew that life was about to get really hard, but he also knew that God had made some incredible promises about what was going to happen in his life, even though he was going to have to walk through suffering, rejection, incredible pain to get there. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. And when life was hard, he leaned into the good promises of a good God. In that, he became our Savior. And in that, he's an example for all of us who choose to follow him. Let's pray and then we'll sing together. Father, as we walk through these next two weeks, help us to see and help us to trust and believe that even though life is hard, you are good. And when life is hard, will you help us lean into the promises that you've made us? You've told us that the kingdom of heaven belongs to us. Help us be willing to walk through the difficult things for your sake. Help us to be willing to pick up our cross as we follow you. Knowing the incredible promise and reward you've given us. We thank you, Jesus, for becoming our Savior and all you took upon yourself. And for being our example each and every day of our lives as well. We pray this in your name and amen. Let's stand as we sing together.